Welcome to the CityGate Church podcast. Today's message was recorded at our live Sunday services, and we hope that it encourages you to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Well, good morning, church. How are we doing today? This is a series that we're in, so we're going to jump straight into it. It says, God said it. Come on, repeat this with me. God said it. I believe it. And that settles it. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, God said it. I believe it. And that settles it. Come on. We're going through a bunch of statements from the Word of God that we can put our life on. Pastor Jay kicked off this series with God's Word is Truth. And we learn all about how God's Word is true. We can stand on it. We can believe it. If He said it, it settles it. And that was the whole framework for this series. We've heard about how I am a new creation. The old has gone. Behold, the new has arrived. And then the other week, Tom was speaking on God says, I am righteous. I am righteous. I can stand right, in right standing with our Creator God. What an incredible statement to build your life on. You know, today is Baptism Sunday, and so in the next service, I'm not going to be speaking this message, because we're going to be hearing from all of our people being baptized, and we're going to be doing a whole different service. So you guys have got something special. So what I want you to do is go and share this message in your own words, from your own notes, so be taking notes or share the link online with people from that second service who are not going to get this. Is that all right? Because they're missing something. I believe this is going to be good. Is it all right if we pray as we get into this? Father God, I thank you for your words. Lord, I thank you that we can stand on what it says. And today, as we hear from your word, Lord, I pray it wouldn't just be my words, but it would be your words in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, come and reveal your word to us lives. Lord God, we have ears to hear and eyes to see where you're leading us today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. We've heard over this series already how we are three parts. We are spirit, we, are, we have a soul, and we live in a body. And today, I'm going to be talking about a part of our lives which the world seems to speak a lot on, and that is your mind your mind. Today we're going to be hearing about we have the mind of Christ. That's what we're going to be talking about today. You see this whole area of mind, your will, your emotions, your thought life, how we think, the things that you choose to believe. Isn't it true that in our society and in our culture that that is the driving force between that drives how most people behave? If someone cuts in front of you in the road... Isn't it your thought life and your thinking and your attitudes and your your emotions that often rise up and that's the thing that leads your reaction? When you get a report from the doctor, isn't it your emotions and your head and your thinking that often spins off and we start to live or react from that place, so much more so in the world than perhaps in the church. But as believers, we are called to live higher. And this is how we have the mind of Christ. I want to tell you there is a battle on for your mind. Maybe today for you, this is really real. I want you to buckle up. I want you to, to get your seatbelts on and get everything that God has for you out of this because we're going to be tackling this today. Because while there is a battle on for each and every mind, the good news is this. We have the mind of Christ. So turn to someone and say, we have, we have the, mind the mind of Christ. 
God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Okay, all right. What is the mind of Christ? Hands up. Yeah, I didn't think so. <laughs> it's okay, you don't need to be that bold. We're going we're gonna to discover this together. I want you, if you've got your Bibles, to turn to Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 13. It says this, this is Isaiah Old Testament. Let's understand this. Isaiah says, who has directed, in the NIV version it says, who has measured the spirit of the Lord or as his counselor has taught him? The verse goes on to say in verse 28, the chapter here, Isaiah 40, it says, Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? His understanding is unsearchable. His understanding is unsearchable. You know, this is the God who created, Isaiah says, the ends of the earth. He created everything that is in existence. And when I think about the universe, you know, we've got books at home that have pictures of the Hubble telescope and this and, and, and things that have been photographed that are just within, just about reach visibly from our point in the universe. But the universe is so vast when I think about its beauty and its wonder, it blows my mind. Does anyone else agree with me? You see those pictures and you're like, wow. When you think about who God is, how he formed you, and he named each and every star in the galaxies. The Bible says that he counts every hair on your head. Some he has an easier time of that than others. Some maybe he counts every hair that's in your closet. That's a different conversation. But when I think about his goodness, how he knows us, his patience for us, his love for us, his grace... And we can marvel at his redemption plan that we've heard about over this series, how Jesus on the cross became sin in our place to bring us back into right standing with God, like Tom spoke about the other week. You see, his understanding is unsearchable. It is higher than we can imagine. It is greater. It is deeper. Or when our circumstances collide and, you know, you might get a bonus paycheck right at the moment when the washing machine breaks. Have you ever had that? Have you ever had that where, where the bus that you missed meant that coincidentally you bumped into someone and you were able to help them or bless them or share the gospel with them? Or maybe it saved you some trouble down the line. You know, you talk to your friends about this stuff and they say, oh, wasn't that a coincidence? But you're, you know, you guys, the redeemed, come on, the believers in the place, you're good Christians, you're deep down, you're smiling, thinking, ah, that wasn't a coincidence, that was a God incident. My God works all things together for my good. So come on, his understanding is unsearchable. It blows your mind. Have you ever heard this said, the Lord works in mysterious ways? I went through a whole YouTube thing this week, all the movies that say that. The Lord works in mysterious ways. I think my favorite one is the Blues Brothers when they're on a mission from God. They're sitting in the car, the Lord works in mysterious ways. You know, maybe you've heard yourself say that from time to time. Maybe that's part of your vernacular. Uh, But can I just say, we're going to blast that one out of the water today. The Lord does not work in mysterious ways. While the understanding is unsearchable, 
Paul replies to this question that Isaiah poses in chapter 40 of Isaiah. Paul references this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And this is where we're going to land today. This is going to be our main verse for today. So turn there, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And we're going to read from verse 6 to verse 16. It says this. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, in hidden wisdom, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor hath entered the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But, everyone say but. But But God has revealed them, what does it say? To us. God has revealed them to us through his Holy Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. And now we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know these things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. But a a natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one, for no, sorry, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him. That is a direct quote, a direct reference to what Isaiah said in chapter 40 of Isaiah. Who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But, this is Paul's answer, we have the mind of Christ. The Lord moves in mysterious ways, but God has revealed them to us verse 10 says through his holy spirit which teaches us searches all things and 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 yes even the deep things of god see the mind of christ is so powerful it's not a lofty thought out there it's something that has been freely given paul tells us here in this verse who's he talking to i, I you know this year i've been really going through uh, portions of the bible and particularly paul's letters and what i've been doing you know sometimes you get those verses which you always know you know maybe it's just oh yes we have the mind of christ and this and that and all, all the kind of catchy new testament uh, verses that we pin so much of our life on which is important but when you read things in context it gives you a fuller picture It gives you a fuller picture. So let's understand this. Who is the we that has the mind of Christ? Paul says, we have the mind of Christ. So maybe you're sitting there going, well, is that me? Am I I included in that? What's going on? We, okay, firstly, Paul is speaking to the church. He's speaking, he's writing to the Corinthian church. He's speaking to the believers. Can we bring this up to date? That's us, Citygate Church. So if you're a part of the church, whether you're visiting or whether you're, you're part of our church, you know, if you're a believer, Paul is speaking to you. 
We have the mind of Christ. Second thing, those who are mature. Verse 6 says there, however, we speak these things among those who are mature. Not from the wisdom of the age, nor for the rulers of the age, but he's talking to the mature. So he's talking to the people who have kind of got a concept and a framework for this verse. Thirdly, Paul is talking to those who are spirit-filled. Verse 12 in there says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things which have been freely given to us. So those are the three criteria for who has the mind of Christ. Those who are the church, the believers, the mature, and those who are filled with the spirit. So if that's you, I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, I have the mind of Christ. Now switch it over and say, you have the mind of Christ. And importantly, we're going to say this all together. We have, we have the mind of Christ. Because importantly, it's plural in the text. And that's important not to overlook. You see, it's not some sort of hive mind mentality. It's the revealed spirit of God that is freely given to us. Now, Paul answers it so abruptly there in the end. I think sometimes we overlook it and we overlook the importance. But he says, who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. You see, sometimes in our sort of thinking, we think that um, the mind of Christ is like some sort of detached entity. But that couldn't be further from the truth by what the Bible teaches us. You see, it's not some weird brain transplant going on. It's not some kind of like, I think like this, but I need to tap into what the, what the, 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 the mind of Christ says. Uh, it's not something separate. It's not like Star Trek and you need to be assimilated into some hive collective th- thinking. It's not something weird like that. It is firstly the word. So let's just nail this down before we get where we're going today. The mind of Christ is the word. It is, it is God's instruction. It is the re- revealed word of God. It is his character. It is his master plan. It is wisdom. It is everything that you need for truth. It is what is good. It's his plan for your life. My daughter Amy turned to me during a prayer meeting this morning and, and she pulled up a verse from, from Proverbs. And she said, look at this. And I was like, that's the wisdom of God. That's the mind of Christ right there. This is our first port of call for knowing the mind of Christ. Secondly, Paul says really clearly, it's those who are spirit-filled. And so when we're talking about the mind of Christ, we're talking about those two things. We're talking about the revealed word of God, and we're talking about the illumination that the Holy Spirit brings to that word in our lives. Sometimes that's through a thought. Sometimes that's through, through a, a prompting or a nudge from the Holy Spirit, that still small voice. But when we put those two things together, that's how we can know God's mind. See, he doesn't move in mysterious ways anymore because he has revealed to his church those two things. He has filled you with the Holy Spirit so that you can have a hearing heart. He's your, he's your healer. He's your guide. He's, he's illuminating the word of God to us each and every day. So we're going to tap into three different areas that are going to transform our minds today. Is that all right? Point number one, if you're making notes, is this. Renew your mind. Renew your mind. You see, the Bible talks about 
clearing out the old and bringing in the new. Behold, the old has passed away. I'm doing a new thing. And so much of the world speaks about renewing your mind. But it talks about it from a kind of, can I say, a fluffy kind of self-help arena. Now, I'm not saying this stuff is bad. But actually, when you trace back a lot of the stuff which is in self-help and, and, and mental health and all this kind of stuff, it actually is Bible principles without the spirit on the inside, without the revealed word of God on the inside. You see, it's almost like they've poached all the best ideas and thought, hey, aren't we clever? No, 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 no. God's master plan has already given this to us. And so we need to renew our minds. Romans 12 verse 2 I love this verse. It says this, and do not be conformed to this world, but by the renewing of your mind, transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It talks about transformation. I don't know about you, but I've got a gym card, which sits in my bag quite often. And I could choose to be transformed or conformed, as the word says. I could choose to be conformed to the shape of my sofa. (laughs) Or I could choose, if I have discipline, to pull out my gym card and be transformed in the environment of going to the gym. Did you know that most gyms make their money because they have a very small gym and a very big membership? Because so many people have the card but they never tap into the transforming power that that place could have if they chose to position themselves there. There's a word for somebody today. You know, you could choose... Hey, I don't go to the gym because I'm always out running, but that's a different thing. You've got to find what works for you. That's different to finding your own truth. But I won't open that one today. See, we need to not be conformed. It's easy to be conformed to something. I always think, you know, we were watching Bake Off last night. We're like a few days behind. It's not as good as it used to be. And, so, and they were making custard creams, and they were stamping out the cookie dough to make these custard creams. And some of them were so wet and gooey that they just sort of conformed to the biscuit mould. And then they came out, and they were just this mess. And it was, they had no definition. They had no sharpness. And they had no crunch. They had no bite. I'm preaching from Bake Off. That's not in the Bible. (laughs) But you could choose to be conformed. I think conforming doesn't take much effort. But being transformed takes effort. It takes application. It takes you doing something on purpose. You see, inactivity won't do it. It won't do it when it comes to renewing your mind. When I was a teenager, a movie came out, which many of you would have seen. If you've not seen it, you've probably heard of it. It was a movie called The Matrix with Keanu Reeves. The first one. All the, ru- all the rest of rubbish. The first one. And there's a moment where he plugs into the, the system and he gets a download and he wakes up and he goes, whoa. You know that Keanu Reeves thing, whoa. And he says, I know Kung Fu. Because he's received this download of a skill that he didn't have before. And it was almost like this instant switch that turned on in his brain. And he got all of the information, all of the skill. And whoa, he knows Kung Fu. And then he goes into the, the dojo with uh, Lawrence Fishburne. And he starts, you know, doing all the bit. And it's almost like sometimes we want to 
shortcut to the result. And we want to become the master of the whatever it is we're trying to acquire and trying to learn and trying to skill up in. And everybody wants a shortcut. You know, we live in such a shortcut culture that it's harder to put in the work. But when we're talking about renewing our mind, it's not mindfulness, it's not meditation, it doesn't come from some place that just sort of, you know, you visualize it. It doesn't come from a positive outlook. It comes from being in the Word and filled with the Holy Spirit. Renew your mind. Set your mind on things above. Colossians says this. This is how we renew our mind. If then... You were raised with Christ. Seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting in the right, at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above. Everyone say, set your mind, set your mind. On, things on things above. Not on the things of this earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in glory. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. We have to set our mind on things above. Isn't it easy to set our mind on things which are just around or things which are even below? But if we need to renew our mind towards being transformed into the image and the likeness of God, to have the mind of Christ, to live higher above the noise, then we must set our mind on things above. Again, I'm going I'm to labor this point. It comes back time and again because there's no shortcuts, folks. It's knowing the word and it's being filled with his spirit. I was so encouraged last Monday. It was Academy and good friend, Pastor Rob Smiley was here uh, doing a session on being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues and a whole load of people. I've been speaking to people this week who got zapped they received the Holy Spirit. I can only put it that way. They got zapped and they received for the first time the Holy Spirit so that they're able to speak in tongues. This week they're learning about prophecy and it's going to go even further. And I want to tell you, this is the free gift to every believer, everyone who is maturing in their faith, everyone who calls themselves a believer and a Christian. This is the free gift. You see, the Holy Spirit in us is not about shortcutting the system. It's not about taking the download out of the matrix. It's actually about applying yourself to have a renewed mind. Guys, there's no shortcuts, but I'll tell you what, there is grace for it. There is grace for it. Point number two is this, guard your mind. Guard your mind. We've had renew your mind, now we have guard your mind. How do I guard my mind? I think this is one of the biggest questions that our world faces. Everybody on the planet Their mind is under attack from left, from right, from everywhere you look. There's an amazing book by T.W. Hunt called The Mind of Christ, The Transforming Power of Thinking His Thoughts. And it says this, the world sends a constant barrage of messages to us. Politics, the world, business, sex, sports, products, and others. God also is sending us messages. God's also broadcasting out that frequency, his frequency. Messages about his express will in the Bible for us. Promptings about words to say or not to say. Anger to control or patience to extend. And the mind that is alive chooses the spiritual rather than the fleshly. 
It's a choice. You see, God in our mind, often I want to ask this question, is there more of the world speaking to your mind than the kingdom? Is there more of the world speaking to your mind than the kingdom? You see, I'm not just speaking to young people here today who, who are living in a generation where the average person, according to a study this year, sees around 10,000 ads per day. 10,000. I used to work in advertising and marketing. I used to create some of those ads that you might have seen. If you saw an advert for Jack Wills, that might have been me. If you saw an advert for John Lewis, that might have been me. This was many moons ago. But I think sometimes, you know, for, for, a lot of time, for a lot of years, I've had an ad blocker on my browser. Does anyone know about ad blockers? There's some heads shaking here. Who does not know about ad blockers? Okay, this is the word for you today. <laughs> Go home, download ad blocker on Chrome as an extension. Seriously, it will save you the noise and the mess and the, the pollution coming through your browser. If you're fed up of those ads that play when you're trying to actually watch a worship video on YouTube and you have to sit through three, four ads, put an ad blocker on your browser. It's free. It's free. <laughs> Seriously, I've lived with that for years. And, and, and to the point where I actually had a, a pastor friend at a different church up in Scotland say, hey, how, how do I do this? Can, I, can you point me to a website that will help me do this? And I pointed him to a website. And he came back to me really distraught. And he said, Ben, the ads on that website, they're not, they're not sanctified. And I was like, what, what are you talking about? I've never had ads on that website. It's because I've put an ad blocker. I've put a guard on my browsing. And he was getting ads that were just, just mess. Mess. That were trying to pull your attention left, right, and center. 10,000 ads per day. Of poison. Can I say it like this? Put, if you use Spotify or another streaming service, put an explicit lyrics filter on that account. Young people, hear me today. This is so important. The way that you guard your mind actually is not about the stuff that just happens to land on you. You need to be proactive in this process to put a guard against the things that your mind receives, that your eyes receive, that your ears receive. Because I tell you this, it will pollute your mind and it will dilute the mind that is being redeemed, the mind of Christ in you. If there is more speaking to you from the world than the kingdom. I've spoken to so many people who cannot fall asleep without earbuds, without podcasts, without an audio book. And in our family, we had a little conversation about it. It was only a very small conversation. It wasn't a big deal. But I said, we're not going to form those habits. We're not going to form those habits. Because when you're in an environment where you can't control what goes in, you need to guard your mind. And actually, I think the reason why so many live with earbuds in, with the radio on, as soon as you're in the car, a podcast comes on. And it could be good stuff, guys, don't get me wrong. But the reason why we have to have music, the reason why we can't talk to our friends with our earbuds still in our ears, is because the noise has become the norm. And being alone in your thoughts has become a far scarier place to be than blocking it all out. 
and I want to redeem you. Let's, let's get some redeeming power on that. That we need to guard our minds. You know, Philippians 4 says this. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is, en- and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. These things. Meditate on these things. You can't meditate on these things if your ears are being bombarded by lyrics of the world. If your mind is being distracted by adverts that are trying to tempt you over here and over there, we have to set a guard on our minds. You know, some, some things are just, just thoughts. They're just unhelpful thoughts. They're not even an attack of the enemy. They're not even something that is sent to test you or to trial you. Sometimes it's just about what we're allowing in. What are we allowing in? I think it's time, church, to turn off the music, to shut out the noise, to stop the scroll, and to get comfortable again with the quiet, still, small voice of the Holy Spirit speaking and revealing God's word to you. You cannot do that when the noise is drowning out the choir. It's time to turn off your phone and get back in the word. It's time to turn off your music and get back to prayer. And then it's time to come next week and turn up the music and praise him. But that's a different thing. All right. Fill your mind with the right things. Guard your mind. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says this, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought, every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Sometimes we can't control the thoughts that are going on up here. Sometimes they're troubled. There's reasons for those things. But... We take them captive to the obedience of Christ. Many years ago, I was, I had a, uh, a young lad in, you know, not, not young, young, but, you know, older teens in my small group when I was in, in youth. And he, uh, can I just put it this way? He had a troubled mind. He had a troubled mind. And as I got to know him over many months, I found out that he had an appetite for horror movies. And I was like, dude, is that what you're feeding yourself with? You see, it's no wonder that his mind was a mess when you pollute it with fear, when you pollute it with things which are, can I say, things which are designed to point you towards what the devil celebrates. We need to get redeemed from this stuff. I know that won't be everybody's story, but maybe that is for somebody today. Come on, it's time to guard your mind. It's time to take back the the authority over your mind because 2 Timothy says this, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. In different translations, I, I, I find this quite important. It actually translates sound mind as self-control. Self-control. 
You see, I can't have a sound mind if I'm filling it with garbage and horror. If, it's on the, if my attention's on the wrong thing. But it takes self-control to bring that sound mind into a place of thriving back to where it needs to be. Thank you. Number three, number three, know your mind. Know your mind. What have we had? We've had renew your mind. We've had guard your mind. Thirdly, know your mind. People say that a lot. I'm I'm strong-willed. I know my mind. That's the kind of person I am. If we have the mind of Christ, then actually knowing is not knowing your mind. It's knowing Christ's mind. Knowing his mind. You see, so often we know what we think. And then we might read a verse in the Bible and it's like, oh, I hadn't remembered it like that. We need to get back to knowing the word. It all comes back to the same thing again. Know the word and be filled with the spirit. You see, sometimes we kind of, we want to fish this elusive mind of Christ down. And it's like it's somewhere far away. But I was reminded that when I was a, when I was a kid, there were these wristbands. Like this one. I got this one from Tim. Because I saw at the end of term or something that youth were giving some of these out. Does anyone remember these? It says WWJD, which means... Who wants Jack Daniels, exactly? No, that's not what it means. That's not what we learned in our youth group when I was growing up. What would Jesus do? And I thought, let's bring these back. These are cool again. They've kind of, you know how everything goes full circle? These are cool again. And I thought, when, when Tim had some of these kicking around, I was like, Tim, can you get me one of those? Can, can you hook me up? I want, I want to remember what would Jesus do? What would he do? Young people, get hold of one of these. Speak to your youth group leader. Speak to your small group leader. You know, it's not just for young people. But it's not a gimmick. What would he do? If you're walking into the doctor's office, what would Jesus do? How is he going to think about this situation or this outcome? If you're going into an exam, come on, he's not giving you a spirit of fear. He's giving you a spirit of power and love and a sound mind to think clearly, to think the thoughts of God, to think things which are higher, to be filled with confidence on the inside. What would Jesus do? You see, I'm not fishing for it out there. It's right here. He's given it to you already. What would Jesus do? You know, your friend might say, Oh, what, what, you know, what would my friends say about that? What would my youth pastor say about that? What would Pastor Jay say about that? What would, no, 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 no. Come on. What would Jesus do? Therefore, if I know the word and I'm filled with his spirit, then I have the mind of Christ. And I can walk into any situation knowing I'm the head and not the tail because of his power that is in me. He's your guide and helper. Isaiah chapter 55, going back to the Old Testament, it says this, for my thoughts, this is about God, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. This is God speaking to to Isaiah, through Isaiah. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. You see, his thoughts are naturally, by design, by his nature, they are 
elevated. They are above what we think in our fallen nature. They are above. But this isn't God being arrogant. This isn't him going, I know better than you. I think higher than you. I've got it. You haven't got it yet. That's not what he's saying. It's not an arrogant God. He's not an arrogant God. In fact, when I was copy and pasting this from Isaiah 55 into my notes, Google tried to grammar correct the word of God. I mean, get out of here. It tried to grammar correct it to my thoughts are better than your thoughts. And I was like, hang on, the word says, stop squiggly underlining the word of God in my notes. My thoughts than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways, my thoughts than your thoughts. It's how God speaks. And Google tried to say, my thoughts are better. No, 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 no. They're not better. They're higher. They're higher. And church, we're called to live higher. Because the mess of the mind of this age is a disaster zone. But the mind of the believer is redeemed from that. We have the mind of Christ. I love that I can trust God more than I can trust my own mind. I can trust him more. I can believe him better. I can, I can understand his thoughts. You see, there's this divine exchange that has happened where now we have the mind of Christ. Such that whenever I walk into a situation or an environment of intimidation, I can go in with an assurance that I am the head and not the tail. I am victorious. I will not be swayed because of I know who I am in him. When temptation comes in, I can make a quality decision to turn and run in the opposite direction because my mind is not going to be led that way. It's going to be led towards righteousness. You know, those of you who lead businesses, you can lead your business with godly wisdom and direction, with a conviction not to compromise your values in the face of pressure. Why? Because you have the mind of Christ. You see, it's not just this earthly position where we would say you have to self-generate, you have to self-hype, you have to self-talk, you have to whip up some self-confidence or some self-love or some self-actualization. It's not about hype. It's not about visualizing. It's not about manifesting to the universe. Have you ever heard that? Instead, you can speak to yourself from the truth of God's word. Come on, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead now lives on the inside of me. I am the head and not the tail. It moves you out of a realm of guess, wish, wonder, touch wood, winging it, and it moves you into a God assurance. Nothing can talk me down. I know who I am. Devil, get out of my way. I am victorious. I have the mind of Christ. Come on, that's where your power comes from. Let's circle back to Philippians. It's the verse we had a moment ago. Philippians 4, verse 8. Whatever things are... Pure, lovely, noble, all of these things. Praiseworthy. Meditate on these things. It's add verse 9. The very next verse says, These things which you heard, which you, sorry, these things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the peace of God will be with you. The peace of God will be with you. As we come into land, I want to ask this question. What 
do I do when I don't have peace in my mind? You see, it's okay talking about the mind of Christ, but if your mind is troubled, this is hard. This can be hard. So I want to put some, some handles on this right now. What do I do when I have peace in my mind? Because I guarantee you this, there will be situations, maybe you're in the middle of it right now, where your mind is troubled, your mind is under attack, there's no peace in your mind, and these things are hard. Can I tell you, we have all been there, you're not alone. Even in our family, we've had moments, we've had seasons where it's a low, and it takes you a while to pick yourself up and start to tell yourself, no, I'm not going to live like this. I'm redeemed from this. There's hope for me that is above this situation. I'm not going to just settle for what the enemy wants for my life because God has redeemed my mind. Sometimes you've got to fight. Sometimes you've got to fight for your mind. We've all been there. 1 Peter verse, chapter 5, verse 7 talks about casting your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Has anybody ever said to you, as they're sort of, you're parting ways for the week, you've just seen someone caught up with someone and they're leaving and said, oh, take care, take care. Pastor Jay said this once and it really stuck with me. He said it a number of times, actually. It's not, I'm not going to take your care. I'm not going to take care because the, the word says, 1 Peter 5 says, Cast your cares. Cast your cares. You don't need to hold on to your cares. So if someone's trying to give you some care as they're leaving this week, just say, no, 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 no. Take care. No, nah, I'm not going to take care. I'm going to cast my cares. For he cares for me. What are your cares? Your cares are your concerns, your worries, your questions, your anxieties. Those thought bombs, the things that can weigh heavy on your mind. You see, your mind is not a football pitch for the devil to kick around. Your mind is redeemed. You have the mind of Christ. And there was this incredible illustration that uh, our kids came back from kids' church. This was many months ago. And Zoe and the team had taught the kids about casting your cares, the things which worry you. You know, they, they taught them this thing. Sometimes at schools they have like the worry box and you, put your worry, you write down your worry, you put it in a worry box and the teacher reads it. And it's like, it's just a mechanism, okay? There's nothing wrong with that. But I don't have a worry box. I have a God that I can cast my cares to. And in kids' church, they use this illustration. I thought, it's absolutely brilliant. That when you have a worry, you identify that worry. And it's almost like you're blowing up a balloon. You breathe that worry out. You pray it out. You let it out. (sighs) You blow it up. And what do you do? It would work better as an illustration if you breathed out helium. <laughs> but let's imagine. That's why I'm not doing this with a real balloon. You cast your cares. And it's gone. It's not that it didn't mean anything. It's not that it's not complex. Because that's an easy, flippant thing to say. Ah, oh, just cast your cares. But no, God wants you to cast your cares. Breathe it out. Pray it out. Praise it out. Give it to him. And let it go. You see, it's his to bear. It's not yours to bear anymore. And what happens when you're in this posture here? It's a posture of surrender. You give it to him. So that he can come and do a work of renewing you in that place. What is also this posture? It's praise. It's praise, because praise is your victory. 
praises you, giving thanks because he's already done it. Even though it's still working itself out in the flesh, even though it's still complex, even though it's still painful, even though there's still healing to happen, you've released it. You've cast your cares onto him. What do you do when you don't have peace in your mind? Cast your cares on him for he cares for you. He took the weight so that you don't have to. And praise silences your enemy. It silences him. Come on, next week we're going to be praising God with some power. And if you come in with heaviness, I tell you what, you're going to leave lighter than you, the way you walked in. You're going to leave refreshed. You're going to leave with a clearer mind, with decisions that the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you because he's renewing your mind. He's speaking to you in the, pre- in, in, in the power of his presence. And it silences the enemy. If I can praise in the middle of my storm, then what is the enemy going to throw at me? He has got nothing that can squash me down. Come on, there can be peace in your storm. Can I just say, this is really real for some. It's really real for some. And if it's not real for you now, maybe it'll be real for you down the line. So put a bookmark in this one. You know, but we have amazing stuff going on in this church. We have Keys to Freedom that speaks all about this. Dozens and dozens of people who have gone through freedom, this freedom course that we run. There's one on right now. There's another one happening next year. There's one for guys happening next year as well where you can find out how to do this and and get more equipped on these issues. You see, if there's... To bring peace into the storm, I'm reminded of Peter when he walked on the waves to Jesus. He walked on the waves to Jesus and he started looking around and he saw the waves and he saw the trouble that was whipping up and the circumstances all around him. And what did he do? He took his eyes off Jesus and he started to sink. How can you imitate Christ? How can you emulate his thinking if your eyes aren't on him? Come on, fix your eyes on him. It's through his word, his promise to you. And the only weapon, the only offensive instrument in the whole armor of God is the word of God. It is the word. It is the word. You can have your helmet of salvation on, but come on, the word is your only offensive instrument in the whole armor. Know your word. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and he'll bring peace into that storm. At the end of that account in Matthew, where the disciples have been in the boat, It says, those that were in the boat, all the other disciples, they came and they worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. You see, when they saw Jesus, it settled it in their minds. Truly, you are, is what they said. Truly, you are. They knew without any doubt. And you can have a confidence on the inside. I know who I am because I know who he is. That is the mind of Christ. I know who I am because I know who he is. I have the word. I know the word. I'm filled with his Holy Spirit and my eyes are fixed on Jesus. My eyes are fixed on Jesus. Can we all stand in this place today? I believe this is a real important message for some people and so I don't want to waste this moment. If you're in the middle of a storm and there's a battle on for your mind and you know that this is for you, I want you to lean on this message today. Make a quality decision to say, I'm not going to live like this anymore. But I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus. And it's going to settle some things in my mind. God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. So come on, right where you are, just in that posture of surrender. Let's just release to God. 
the things which weigh heavy on our minds and invite the peace of God which passes all understanding to come flooding in because I tell you he loves you and your inheritance is peace it's wholeness it's nothing missing nothing broken nothing nothing God wants to withhold from you but sometimes we want to hold on to our hurt we want to hold on to our confusion we want to hold on to our opinions we want to hold on to our pain we want to hold on to our trouble we want to hold on to the things that we entertain ourselves with that we know we shouldn't and today it's a day of surrender and releasing that to God and say God come and renew my mind I'm placing a guard on my mind God I want to know your mind so come now Holy Spirit Come and fill this place with your, with your peace, with your presence, the peace that passes all understanding. Thank you, God. Your word says how precious your thoughts are towards me. Lord, I want to know your thoughts towards me. Who can know the mind of Christ? Who can know the thoughts of a man except for the spirit that is within that man? But we now have the spirit of God that we can know the thoughts of God. And he says that his thoughts towards us are good. Thoughts of peace, not of evil. Thoughts to give you a future and a hope. And in Jeremiah it says, when you seek me with all your heart, you'll find me and I will be found by you, says the Lord. Come on, a lot of this message has been speaking to the believers who are mature, and filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe that's not you today. Maybe that's not you and you don't know this Jesus that I'm talking about. Maybe you're like, what is this mind of Christ thing? That doesn't settle anything for me because I haven't yet figured that out. God says that when you seek me and find me, you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. Come on, he's knocking at the, at the door of your heart today. He's saying, I have plans for you. You know, when Jesus hung on the cross for your sins, you were on his mind. You were on his mind. You were in his thoughts. You want to know the thoughts of God? He thought of you. He loved you so much that he hung on a cross to redeem you from the mess of the world. The things that we do in rebellion, the things that we've done wrong. The things that we've entertained ourselves with when we shouldn't. The things that we've turned away from God's perfect will for our lives and we've indulged in anyway come on God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts how precious your thoughts are towards me God so I want to extend an invitation if you don't yet know Jesus but you know that the mess in your mind is not the way that you want to live anymore the distraction in your mind the confusion in your mind Come on, maybe there's something weighing really heavy on you today. Today's your opportunity to know Jesus. And in just a moment, I'm going to count to three, and all you need to do is raise a hand. And it's just as an indication so that we can pray for you. And it's you stepping out and saying, God, I need you. I recognize that I can't do this on my own. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Come on, he hung on the cross for you so that you can live free of the mess of your mind and the mess that the world wants to serve up for you. He's got so much better for you. So come on, if that's you, after three, just shoot your hand up. One, he loves you. He died for you. 
He was thinking of you too. Come on, now's your moment to settle it once and for all and step into a new relationship with Jesus. Shoot it right up. Three. Hands going up right across here. Hand there. Hand there. I see your hand. That's fantastic. Come on. Come on. Anybody else here want to receive Jesus? Maybe for the first time, maybe coming back to him again. He loves you. And for the rest of us, we're going to pray this prayer all together. And it's a prayer of salvation. We do this every week. Say, Jesus, I thank you that you died on the cross for the forgiveness of sins. That as you hung there, your mind was on me. You knew me and you had a redemption plan for me. And today I give you my life. Would you take all of me? I call you my saviour. And from today onwards, I will follow you. And by the help of your grace and your power, I will never be the same again. Thank you, Jesus, for being my saviour. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And for the rest of us, come on, we're not done quite yet. Yeah, let's celebrate. Let's celebrate. But for the rest, you know, maybe there has been confusion in your mind. Maybe there has been, there has been trouble. There has been a lack of peace. Come on, today, the Holy Spirit is going to come and minister. There will be clear thinking where there's been indecision. There'll be steadfastness. There'll be peace in every storm. So Father God, we thank you. We surrender to you. We say, devil, back off the minds of God's people. We speak against the spirit of fear. We speak against anxiety. We speak against confusion and troubled minds and things which are weighing down heavy on the minds of God's people. And we say, thank you, God, that by your stripes we are set free. And the peace of God can come and flood every mind that we have the mind of Christ. Teach us your word. Reveal it to us by your Holy Spirit. And the peace that passes all understanding. Come and rest on troubled minds today. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.